Good morning. Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 18 is what we're going to take a look at today. And actually what we're going to see in this letter, we're going to kind of take a little bit of an overview to this whole letter in a little bit. Paul is actually, in this opening verses, he's reporting back to the church at Philippi because he's not in Philippi at this particular time, and so he's sending this letter back to them. And God had definitely changed Paul's plans because he had plans to be other places at this time, but uh, God had definitely changed his plan. But those changes had helped actually to spread the gospel. So I want us to take a look at three points this morning. Paul and changes, and then Paul's report back to them, and then Paul's motivation that came out of all of this. So we'll just start right there with Paul and changes. In Philippians chapter 1, I'm just going to read verse 12. It says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So Paul's telling the church back in Philippi because they've heard and they know and now they're sending Epaphroditus to him that he's actually under house arrest he's imprisoned in Rome and he has a Roman soldier chained to him 24 hours a day they rotate about every 6 hours and that's where he is and so they would be looking at it and they think well that's not good and Paul's going no actually this has turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so it's okay. It's probably been about at least five, maybe six years since Paul last saw those brethren in Philippi. And that would be on the last missionary journey, the third missionary journey, that Paul had been in that area once again. And that when he left there, he told them that he was headed to Jerusalem. And he goes back there. And that's when things came, kind of just fall apart. Because if you read the book of Romans and you get towards the end, chapter 15, chapter 16, Paul actually writes Romans from the city of Corinth on that third missionary journey. And so that's probably around 57, somewhere in there. And it's interesting what Paul tells the church in Rome. He said, hey, I want to come see you. Because my goal in life is I want to take the gospel where it's never been preached before. I want to reach out. And so I've got plans. And my plan is, I'm going to come to Rome. And I'm going to see you, brethren. I'm going to spend some time with you. And I want to enjoy your company. And then what I want you to do is I want you to help me on my way. Because I'm not really going to stay in Rome. You know where I'm going? I'm headed for Spain. Because <laughs> I want to take this gospel everywhere. And that was Paul's plan. Well, Paul's in Rome. <laughs> But this is not the way he planned on getting there. And so there was definitely a change in plans. Have you ever had plans and then things just didn't turn out the way you planned? (laughs) And you're kind of scratching your head and going, I wonder how this happened. You know, one writer said it this way. He goes, whenever we make plans, whenever you make plans, he goes, be sure and write it in pencil. Because God has a big eraser. (laughs) And there's a lot of truth to that. And Paul came to find that out. He came to realize the truth of that. But as he writes to the brethren at Philippi, and they are aware that he's now being chained in Rome, he goes, hey, 
it's okay. It's turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So I want us to think just a little bit about Paul. I want to think a little bit about his life and how God had changed Paul's plans, how God had changed him. So if you would, if you have your New Testament open, just go ahead and turn over to the third chapter in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read about verses 4 through 6. Philippians 3, beginning at verse 4. He said, "Though Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he might have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You know what Paul's saying? There was a time in my life where I knew I had been born a Jew. In fact, I was Hebrew. He's what he's saying is I'm pointing all the way back to my heritage. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I know what tribe I'm from. I'm from Benjamin. (laughs) I know I was circumcised that eighth day. As far as the law was concerned, I was zealous. I persecuted the church. And as far as my particular sect... I was a Pharisee. You want to know about the law? I can tell you about the law. You want to live the law? I live the law. The law is everything to me. That is my identity. I'm spot on. That's who I am. That's how I identify. Sometimes we can have a real identity about ourselves. I know who I am (laughs) type of thing. There was a young lady that I knew in high school. This is back in Garden Grove, California, right? (laughs) And while we were in high school, I heard her say on more than one occasion, I am going to be an elementary school teacher. That's what she wanted to do. She came from a family of teachers. This is my identity. This is who I am. This is what I've been born into. This is what I'm going to be. (laughs) After we graduated high school, three years later, three Well, I was still wandering around in circles trying to figure out what I was going to do. (laughs) I bumped into her. Her name is Debbie. I said, hey, Debbie, what are you doing? She goes, I'm going to start teaching this fall. This fall. (laughs) Three years. I start this fall. I know who I am. I know what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. It's amazing. That's what Paul said. I was born into this. I know who I am. I know what I want to be. I've been trained by some of the finest teachers that Israel has to offer. This is the way I live. This is the way I identify. This is my plan. This is my goal in life. And that's what I'm going to do. That's verse 4 through 6. Let's skip down a couple of verses to verse 8. Yet, indeed I also count all things for loss, or all things lost, 
for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Couple verses. And Paul says, This is where I was. This is how I identified. This is the way I live. This is who I'm going to be, what I want to be. And then he said, I count all that as rubbish. <laughs> That's no longer my goal. I want the righteousness, not by the law but by which is faith in Jesus Christ. This is where I identify now. I used to identify there. But now this is where I identify. And so you've got to ask yourself, how did he get there? <laughs> he went from that to this. God had to help him get there. So we've been studying the book of Acts, right? So the first time that we see the Apostle Paul, actually he's not an apostle, he's Saul of Tarsus. And that's in Acts chapter 7. And so on that particular occasion, persecution is on the rise. And primarily at this time, the persecution is really coming from within the Jews towards those who are falling after Jesus Christ. That's where this persecution is coming from. And Paul is a part of that persecution. And in Acts chapter 7, whenever Stephen is being stoned, that first Christian martyr, we are introduced to a young man by the name of Saul that is there holding their coats, getting hot, giving hearty approval to what's going on. <laughs> this person is opposed to what I believe. This person is opposed to what all I identify with. Everything that I support. And he's wanting to change it. That's not my plan. <laughs> and so my plan is. I'll crush anyone or anything. That gets in the way of that. And so he's there. And he's given hearty approval. And he's opposed. To what Stephen is preaching. So let's fast forward just a little bit from there. Acts the 26th chapter because Paul has been arrested remember he was planning on going to Jerusalem when he left Philippi well he did <laughs> and then he ends up getting arrested there and he ends up spending two years in Caesarea in jail there but before he leaves there before he appeals to Caesar and before he leaves there he stands before Agrippa and you know what Paul will do he will admit to what he has done in the past in his persecution towards Christians he said I was a violent aggressor and I thought it correct that I would oppose Jesus Christ and those who were followers of him. So essentially what he was saying. 
is that one time, Agrippa, I was a murderer. And now he's in Philippi. And you know who he's going to stand before? He's going to stand before Nero. Yeah. This is the early 60s. It's been a long time since Jesus was crucified almost 30 years ago. That little sect that started off there in Jerusalem that nobody paid much attention to except just the Jews right there. Rome wasn't even, it wasn't even on the radar for Rome at that time. But they kept growing. <laughs> they kept preaching that same thing. They kept saying this, Jesus is alive. He's, a, he's the Messiah. He's a king. And you know what happens in the Roman Empire if you say there's another king? Yeah. Oh, they don't put up with that. <laughs> and so now Paul is in Rome. And he's going to stand before Nero. Try going before Nero and telling him, I don't think you're the only king. There's another one. See what happens. <laughs> and that's where Paul is at this time. So he's been a murderer. But now, there's a real good chance he's going to become a martyr <laughs> for what he now believes and what he now embraces. And so what he's saying is, I went from persecutor to preacher and it landed me here in Rome. Oh, I wanted to come to Rome. Just this wasn't my plan on how to get here. And so that's now that's where he is. But there's something that's really unique when you look at Paul's life. He was uniquely qualified. Uniquely qualified to preach the gospel. And one of the reasons why he was so uniquely qualified to preach the gospel is because he knew the law so well. And see, that's what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3. I was a Hebrew. <laughs> I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised the eighth day. I was a Pharisee. I was set at the feet of Gamaliel. I knew that law. I lived that law. I walked that law. I talked that law. That was my life. But in history, isn't it interesting? That learning that law so well that somehow he missed Jesus. And he was seeking righteousness through the law. So he was uniquely qualified because he was tied up in that law. But you know what that did for him? That helped him to come to understand God's grace. That helped him to come to understand God's grace. 1 Timothy chapter 1 about verse 15. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I was the chief of sinners. And why was that? Because he was dedicated to that law. 
He was bound up in it, wrapped up in it, could not see beyond it. And that's what led him to become the chief of sinners. He thought that law and that life was an end in and of itself. That law was leading to something else. So what Paul was saying is my zeal became misguided. Because when the Messiah came, I missed it. And when those who accepted it and began to follow him, I was going to squelch it. And so that zeal that I had for the law and that righteousness that was bound up in the law, it actually led me to become a persecutor of Jesus Christ and those who would follow him. But God in his grace reached down and touched him and changed him and molded him into the man that God knew he could be. And when he appeared to him on the road to Damascus and he was struck blind that day and Paul cried out, Who art thou, thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. But he didn't leave it there. (laughs) You're a chosen, you're a chosen vessel of mine. And I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. I'm going to send you to kings. And I'm going to send you to the children of Israel. Now get up and go in the city and it'll be told you what you must do. It's amazing. Paul went from Hebrew of Hebrews in Philippians chapter 3 verses 4 through 6 to one who was seeking after the righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. Verses 8 and 9. And in Acts 26, after he's arrested in Jerusalem, and he stands before Agrippa, and he's going to be taken to Rome as a prisoner, he tells that story to Agrippa. And why he is where he is now. Agrippa. He's the one. That I want to glorify now. He's the one that I preach now. And if I have to tell the Roman king himself. There's another king. Then so be it. (laughs) Because he told me. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to kings. And I'm sending you to the children of Israel. He was the chief of sinners. And he became a chosen vessel. So Paul's report. In Philippians chapter 1, in verse 12, once again he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now here I am in Rome, and it's actually turned out good. 
It's turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And that's what God, uh, what Paul had desired all along. I want to take this gospel everywhere. I just didn't not know it was going to be in prison in Rome, but while I'm here, I might as well spread that too. And so verse 13 and 14, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So what's Paul saying? Yes, I'm chained to a Roman soldier. They rotate every six hours. And that palace guard, praetorium that he talks about there, if you do a little research on that, the emperor kept a certain group of soldiers for his protection in Rome, consisted of about 9,000. I'm not saying that Paul was chained to each and every one of those 9,000 in those two years, but he was chained to enough of them that the word that he taught them spread to the others. The whole palace guard has come to know why I'm here and who I preach. If you're chained to the Apostle Paul for six hours a day, guess what he's going to talk about? Oh, we're going to talk about Jesus again today? Yeah, and we'll talk about it again tomorrow. So you really think he's alive? No, I don't think he's alive. I know he's alive. I saw him. And you performed miracles? Yeah, I did. And you were a Pharisee. Yeah, I was. You want to hear about the law? I can tell you about the law. Do you want me to point out those Old Testament scriptures that point to Jesus as the Messiah? I can point them out to you. Because now I understand them. <laughs> I didn't understand it before. Now I understand it. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And not only that, brethren within the city, they've heard that I'm here. And they've heard that I'm still preaching. And I'm not worried about dying. And you know what that's doing for them? They're talking to more people too. So this has actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, which is what I wanted all along. Isn't that amazing? So persecution was not going to stop the spread of the gospel. Just like when Paul was a persecutor, it did not stop the spread of the gospel. And now he's the one that's being persecuted and it's not stopping the spread of the gospel. It's actually turning out for the furtherance of it. And here's evidence that it's progressing and it's going forward. And that word that he uses there, when he says it is turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, some translations render that for the advancement of the gospel. That word is a military term. It's when troops are making progress and they're taking new ground and they're marching forward. And that's what Paul's saying. Oh, they think it's going to stop it. It ain't going to stop it. The gospel's actually going forward. Let me just tell you. The whole palace guard knows about Jesus now. And the brethren here, they're back to telling everybody. They're bold now. 
He's not worried about dying. Maybe we shouldn't be worried about dying. So it becomes Paul's motivation. Verse 21. Philippians 1 and verse 21. This is what he says. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, for a lot of folks, they would look at that, and I'd have to admit, I I would too. (laughs) There's a real chance, Paul, you're going to die here. (laughs) And I'd be sweating bullets. (laughs) And he goes, oh, he said, wait a minute. (laughs) You're looking at this all wrong. (laughs) For me to live is Christ. That means I serve Him right now. And when you serve Jesus Christ, He's writing to the church at Philippi. When you serve Jesus Christ, you know what's liable to happen? You're liable to end up getting persecuted. You're liable to end up getting beaten and stoned and left for dead. But if you die, you've got to be with Jesus. So you got this backwards. The sacrifice is now. The reward is there. So for me to live is Christ and to die, I'm ready. All this is over with. And that's my reward. You need to rethink this. The church of Philippi, So I'm going to give you this little rundown. I'm going to skip forward and we're going to take a look at this book kind of in its entirety in the few minutes that we have left. But I want to read chapter 2 and verses 6 through 11. Philippians chapter 2 beginning at verse 6. Well, I'll back up to verse 5. So he's writing to the church at Philippi and they're worried about him being in jail. And this is what he's going to say to them. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So in other words, Church of Philippi, you, you got to learn to think like Jesus, okay? <laughs> and that'll just, that'll just help you tremendously. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Let me just kind of rephrase that because sometimes it's like, what's that mean? Who being in the form of God. Jesus was God. He did not consider it it robbery. Some translations say it was not a thing to be grasped. To be held on to. He was willing to let it go. He was God. But I'll let it go. But he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So he was God and he became a man. And not just a man, he became a bondservant. So here's God and I'm a man and I let go of being God and become a man. And when I live as a man, 
then I serve God. There's God, there's man. God's the one that's in charge. Man's the one that follows. And he says that he looked at that and said, it's not a thing to be grasped. So back up and think for just a moment. Was there ever a time in man's past, is there ever a time in man's history, as you look at the scriptures, when there was some man who thought, I'd like to be equal with God. Mm. (laughs) Remember the garden? Just eat this. And you know what you'll be like? You'll be just like God. And so I can decide what's good. I can decide what's evil. I can decide what's right. I can decide what's wrong. I'm in charge of my life, not him, me. And you see what Adam and Eve did? They wanted to grasp that. I want to be God. And Jesus is saying, let me show you how this is done. Let me let go of it. And I'll become a servant. And He's God. And His will will be my will. And this is the way I'll flesh it out. Verse 9. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and has given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See how that worked? I'll let go of being God. I'll become a man but I'll do His will and He even went to the point of death But death couldn't hold him. And so he was resurrected. And he was given a name that is above all names. Letting go. Doing what God says. And God exalted him. Is that a pattern for us to follow? (laughs) I think it is. Isn't it? And so... That's what Paul writes to the church at Philippi. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now we can get down to the nitty gritty of it. Now I'm not going to put all these scriptures up there, but they're on that form back there. So if you want them, (laughs) they're there. And this letter is broken up into sections. I am going to read these sections off to you. But each one of these sections relate to what I just read you. It'll start in the first chapter in verses 1 through 11. And then it'll go verse 12 through 26. And then it'll go 27 through 218. And then it'll go 219 through 30. And then 3 1 through 4 1. And then 4 2 to verse 9. 
and then 410 to 23. I'm going to run that back by you because those are just verses and you're going, what in the world is he talking about? (laughs) What Paul's doing. What's central in my life is Jesus Christ. So this letter is like a wheel. And the hub is chapter 2, 6 through 11. That's the hub. And all those sections that I just read off to you, they're like the spokes. But don't ever forget, Jesus is the center. He's the gravity that's holding it all together. And everything else revolves around Him and points back to Him and is connected to Him. And that's what Paul's saying. I want you to take that message that Jesus Christ is central and what He did, and I want you to connect that to your life. And if you do that, boy, I'm telling you, I'll do amazing things for you. So in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, he writes to them and they're concerned because he's in prison. And they have sent Epaphroditus to him to see to his needs. But notice what he says in verse 6. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What did he just say? You became Christians. And God started to work in you. You know what that work was? So that you could become like his son. And I'm telling you, I'm fully confident that the things that you experience, God has planned so that you will become like his son. See, Paul had a plan at one time. (laughs) But now... My whole plan is to be like Him. And so I want you to know up front, God has a plan for you too. And I'm fully confident He won't give up on you. He'll work that plan. Just like He's working in in me. That's what Paul's saying. So I want you to get that first of all. And then in verses 12 through 26. Paul focuses actually on their obvious concern. So here you are, Philippians. I'm telling you, God has started to plan in you. I'm really thankful that you have sent Epaphroditus to see to my needs. I'm thankful for that. And you're concerned about me, but let me tell you, verse 12, don't worry about it. (laughs) This is actually turning out for the furtherance of the gospel. So from the outside, you're looking at that and saying, he's in prison, he may die. (laughs) And Paul's saying... It's okay. Because if you see it, like I'm trying to get you to see it, then you'll realize for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. So that's verses 12 through 26. And then in verse 27, he's going to turn to the Philippians and encourage them, verse 5, have this same mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Who didn't grasp at being God. So, hey, how does that register? (laughs) I want you to realize who's in charge. And I want you to remain faithful to Him no matter what comes. And He will say in verse 27, 
let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. (laughs) Philippi was a Roman colony. And they took great pride in their Roman citizenship. And so if you came to Philippi and you're preaching another king, you know what that's going to get you? It's going to get you a whole lot of persecution because we're proud of being Roman citizens and we like being a Roman colony and we don't want anybody messing with it. That's our plan. And what Paul's saying, you know what? God has a way of changing plans. And so if you're standing for Jesus Christ, you keep doing it and let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. And that's what leads to that central theme. Let this mind be in you. And then down about chapter 2, about verses 19 through 30, you know what he's going to talk about? He's going to talk about Timothy. And he's going to talk about Epaphroditus. And he's going to tell him something about Timothy. And he's going to say, you know that Timothy? What a guy. And Paul opens this letter and Timothy's with him. And he says, you know, I don't have anybody like Timothy. And you know what's so special about him? I don't have anybody that will care for you like he cares for you. Do you know anybody that cares for your soul like Jesus Christ cares for your soul? So, how's that playing out in Timothy's life? I'm telling you, you got a guy here. There's nobody will care for you like Timothy will care for you. You ever think about that? You ever think about that within your own life? You ever think about how much do I care about other Christians? How much do I care about young Christians? How much do I care about those who are struggling? And the way this is playing out in Timothy's life, let me tell you, this guy cares. And Epaphroditus, he sacrificed to come to me. In fact, he almost died. He got so sick, we were so concerned, but God was gracious to us and He spared His life and He spared me because I thought I was going to lose a friend. But He came because He was willing to sacrifice to see to my needs. And now I'm sending Him back to you because I know you're concerned about Him. And so how's that playing out in Epaphroditus' life? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. you got a guy here that's willing to sacrifice in order to serve. And then in chapter 3, Paul will turn to himself. You know, talk about the kind of guy that he used to be. And then he'll talk about the fact, that's Philippians 3, 4 through 6, right? I was a Hebrew. <laughs> and then he'll talk about the fact, you know the way this plan played out in my life? I gave all that up. So that I could gain Jesus Christ. And what you see now. Is my testimony. To being fully faithful and dedicated to him. And so for me to live is Christ. 
and to die is gain. Apostle Paul is the same one who wrote the book of Galatians. And in Galatians he says, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. And that law, which I thought was for me to live and die by, that law was intended to bring me to Jesus Christ. It was a tutor to get me here. And so now, it's for His glory. And in chapter 4, He's going to address two women. They're having some issues. And He's going to remind them, have the same mind that Christ has. Forgiving. Willing to reconcile. He wants them to come back together. Remember, apply that to your life. And then in Philippians 4, in verses 6 and 7, here's a passage that we oftentimes quote from the book of Philippians. If you do what I'm telling you, He's going to give you a peace that passes understanding. Because see, a lot of folks just don't understand how I can stand before Nero with all confidence. But that's the reason why. I want you to focus on what is good, what is lovely, what is just, what is pure. Oh, there's always things to be anxious about. There's always things that we can complain about. But if this is your mindset, He'll give you peace. So don't let those fears and those anxieties carry the day. Let Jesus Christ carry the day. Because He has a way of working all things for our good and for His glory. Remember His Son? that didn't grasp equality, but he took on the form of a bondservant? How'd that turn out? (laughs) Apply this to your life. So Paul wants them to know that actually the things that he's experienced have turned out to be his greatest teacher. You know you can go to school You can go to some of the finest universities and you can get an education. But I'll tell you this. Life has a way of educating you too. And life educated Paul. And you know what he learned? He learned verse 11. He learned Philippians 4 and verse 11. I have learned in whatever state I am there to be content. So I learned. God's in charge. Let go. He's got you. And He'll work it out. You just stay faithful to Him. So what Paul was saying, I see my entire life 
as a reenactment of his life. And the way you should see your life is a reenactment of his life. That's what Paul was doing. That's what he was calling others to do. So I'm going to close with this. Philippians 1, verse 15 and 16. So Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy, others from strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add conflict or add affliction to my chains. Some translations say in in verse 15. It says, I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. If your translation reads that way, this is what I'd recommend to you. I'd underline that. I would highlight that. I'd draw an arrow to that. And I would let that be a reminder to me every time I read that. Paul says... I have been put here. God put me here. For what? For the defense of the gospel. So you have to stop and ask yourself, where has God put you? (laughs) And are you defending the gospel right where you are? Are you living it out right where you are? And look at how many people Paul influenced in that situation, recognizing I was put here. It's the same thing for us. Where has God put you? Who can you reach where you are? And then ask yourself, Are you living your plan? Or are you living God's plan? Paul had a plan. And God changed that plan. And Paul says now. This is turned out for the furtherance. Of the gospel. That's Philippians 1. 12 through 18. It's kind of Philippians all together. But. It's valuable. The book of Philippians. It's amazing. In that little short letter. So I want to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. If you've never rendered obedience to the gospel of Christ, have you been living your plan? Maybe it's time for you to start living God's plan. I want to extend the invitation to any and all. You come while together we stand, while we sing.